Well, hello. Checking one, two. Check, check, check. Sound good? Sounds good to me. All right. Do you want to do the welcome? Like if that's the song has faded away, you'll be the first voice. I'm usually the one that does it. Do you want to switch it up and you do it? Sure. Okay. <laughs> it's time for me to go. Okay. We're back. Reaction Brats. We hold are on, back. Hold on, hold on. I just spilled coffee. Oh my goodness. Just as I was on a roll. Uh, f- I would go out tonight, but there's a new episode of Reaction Brats. Welcome to Reaction Brats. I'm Robin. I'm David. Hi, David. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm wonderful, thanks. Great. We've had a very lazy day today. Mm-hmm. I think a well-deserved lazy Sunday. Yeah, we've been working real hard. We had some ramen. Mmm. It was delicious. It was really good. We watched uh, Joe Strummer, The Future is Unwritten. That was good. Did you like it? I did like it. I didn't like how there was never a key on the screen to tell you who the person was talking. Yeah, that's super annoying. Weird choice. Mm -hmm. You were left to your own devices to figure out who was who. Yeah. They listed all of them in order of appearance at the end in the cast credits, but who's going to I guess we trouble. should have taken a screenshot of it and then watched it all over again There's to see who is who. No. <laughs> no way. It's a good movie, though. I like Joe Strummer. I like, um, I don't know. I just like some of the things that he says when he talks about how we're all just lucky to be here and we all just happen to be alive at this same time in history and, you know, kind mm-hmm. of making the most of it. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. What are we going to talk about today, David? Today, we are going to talk about two... Today, we are going to talk... <laughs> today, we're going to talk about... Today, today we're going to talk about a couple of biggins. Very biggins. Yeah. Biggins for me, biggins for Robin, biggins for everybody. We are going to discuss uh, Joy Division Substance 1977 to 1980 and... Morrissey, Bona Drag. These are the records that when we thought about the records that changed everything for each of us, these were the two records. But they're connected, which is kind of cool. I like that they're not totally different. We This episode isn't going to be about two separate types of music or, you know, anything that's kind of drastically different. They're kind of, they're connected. Yeah, they're in the same ballpark, Manchester boys. Yeah, without one, there definitely wouldn't be the other, Absolutely. which is cool. Yeah, as far as it changing, these records changing our lives, I would say that this Joy Division compilation is the first record that I could say changed my life. And there's been, I'd say, four, five, six albums that I can say the same same thing about at different periods of my life. But this was the first one. I discovered this record in the fall of 91 when I just started grade nine and uh, had never heard anything like it. And it just opened up my eyes and my listening habits. And yeah, there was no looking back. Yeah. Quickly became my favorite band and still are to this day. And I can say the same for Morrissey. I remember I was in grade 10 when I first heard, it was actually Interesting Drug off of Bona Drag. And holy shit, my life changed. It was um, like nothing I had ever heard before. And I still to this day have a long-standing love affair with Morrissey. True and deep. It really is. I have to constantly listen to Morrissey <laughs> or the Smiths in the house. And I don't mind because I'm, I'm a fan of both. But uh, it's relentless with this little lady right here when it comes <laughs> to this help it. guy. And that's okay. You know, you could be you could be the world's biggest Savage Garden fan. It could be much worse. It's true. Or insert band here. I don't mind listening to Morrissey and the Smiths all the time. Morrissey or the Smiths? The Smiths. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. 
Yeah. 100%. When are we going to do a Smith's record? I don't know. When we do, which one is it going to be? Hmm. I really like Strange Ways. I think of all the Smith records, I put Strange Ways on the most, but they're all just so good. Where does Strange Ways sit in, you know, as far as favorite record goes in the Smith's world with other fans? Like, oh, you, I don't I don't pay any don't attention know, no. to that. No. I don't know. I don't know what the fan favorite is. I don't know. I'm assuming most people would know The Queen is Dead, mm-hmm. right? That would probably be their most popular one. I don't know. Oh. Strange Ways is great. At Reaction Brats Pod, let us know what you think. What's your favorite Smiths album? But uh, moving right along here, did you want to get into it? Yeah, let's do... We decided we were going to do Joy Division first for a couple of reasons, right? First, as I said at the top, without one, there wouldn't be the other. So, you know, obviously Morrissey was very heavily influenced by Joy Division and Ian Curtis, but also just chronologically, you would have been into Joy Division before I had discovered Morrissey. So it just makes sense to, to oh, yeah, do it good this point. way. Yeah, I never thought of that. You've got um, Kleenex, I think, and your mustache. That's disgusting. <laughs> Sorry, we had a coffee spill here, folks, and I've got coffee all over my beard. And I used the Kleenex that I had to clean up the coffee to clean the coffee off my mustache. And apparently it left remnants. <laughs> you got it. Good. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, let's go. Hey, Dave. Hey, Robin. What time is it? Oh, my God. It's well pretty a time. When you just want the fans, oh! it's Wikipedia time. Joy Division were an English rock band formed in Salford in 1976. The group consisted of vocalist Ian Curtis, guitarist-keyboardist Bernard Sumner, bassist Peter Hook, and drummer Stephen Morris. Sumner and Hook formed the band after attending a Sex Pistols concert. While Joy Division's first recordings were heavily influenced by early punk, they soon developed a sound and style that made them one of the pioneers of the post-punk movement. Ian Curtis uh, committed suicide in 1980, and the remaining members regrouped under the name New Order. They were successful throughout the next decade, blending post-punk with electronic and dance music influences. And the record we are going to discuss today is Substance. It is a singles compilation by Joy Division and was released in July of 88 on Factory Records. It is the companion to similar singles compilation by their subsequent band, New Order, also entitled Substance. Substance compiles four singles released by the band that did not appear in albums, Transmission, Comakino, Lovell Terrace Apart, and Atmosphere, as well as most of their B-sides. So this is a compilation record, and it is the first Joy Division uh, record I ever heard, as I mentioned earlier, in the fall of 2000, not the fall of 2000, the fall of 1991, I was in grade nine, and my older brother Mark had this on a cassette tape, and uh, one night I just put it in the Walkman and started listening and loved it. You know, it's coming on 30 years and I haven't stopped listening. Yeah, it's um, um it's a bit of a dark one. For it's a, very dark. A 14-year-old. It is. But you know David I, Dunham and you, Dunville. You're 14, you're pretty serious. You're you know? angsty. Yeah. Also, I think at that age, you're looking for uh, an identity yeah. and how to carve out your own little corner of the world. And I probably at the time decided this is my band because no one else has this band. I'm sure that was part of it. Yeah. You know, silly things kids do. It's a good one to pick. Yeah. And then the more I learned about the band, found out about Ian Curtis and his tragic end, the mystery surrounding the band and the legend of them and him uh, just intrigued me. I found it super compelling. And this is 91, so it's hard to get info on 
stuff mm -hmm. you know there was no internet we had to go to the library you <laughs> back know, in the thing. old days you had yeah. to buy magazines yeah and there was nobody writing about joy division in 1991 you know i couldn't pick up a magazine and read an article on joy division like you could about nirvana or tony 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 or something so anytime we went to a mall like growing up in dunville it's a small town so you know if we went to the mall in st Catharines or welland or hamilton i'd go into Coles, and there was always those rock encyclopedias with like the history of all the bands and i remember just looking up joy division in those books and trying to glean any info i could about them and uh so yeah that that was the thing about joy division is just there was a mystery around it and it was just for me and I liked that about it. And obviously the music. I love that. Yeah. I don't know when Joy Division came onto my radar. You know, I, I can't remember the first time I heard them. Back then, I would have been listening to U2. Like, I loved Rattle and Hum and In Excess Kick, the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. You know, <laughs> that's what I would have been into yeah. at the time. Still good. Still love all those records. But I can't remember the first time I heard Joy Division. New Order, I can remember. I remember being in grade nine and we hung out with some boys that were in grade 11 and one of them made me a mixtape. And the mixtape had, I wish I still had it. It was one of those, like, it just opened my world world up musically you know it had um fairy tale of new york was on it and tainted love was on it what new order song was on it uh bizarre love triangle so you hadn't heard blue monday when we were when you were a little kid like you don't remember not that i remember oh really i might have and i might have when i had heard bizarre love triangle i may have already heard blue monday but not mm -hmm. have known that that was the yeah. same band you know I knew Blue Monday from when I was a little boy. It was a hit, a right? A big song, yeah, yeah. I remember it being on the radio and stuff. But getting back to this album, it changed my life. I was just, for the, my entire high school career, just obsessed with Joy Division. I remember in grade 10, I got the book Unideal for Living, sort of a history of Joy Division that I got at Rock and Tees. Cool. Matter of fact, over the years, I've collected many, many, many books about Joy Division in New Order. So maybe we'll do a post on the Instagram. Maybe all the books? Yeah, we'll do a little video yeah. of, of all the books that I have. Check that out at Reaction Brats Pod. But... In grade 11, I took that Joy Division book and photocopied a bunch of pictures of the band and my entire locker was just Joy Division, mm -hmm. like old black and white photos of Joy Division. Not a very uh, pretty dour locker yeah. when you think about it, but that's where I was at. And then when I started to play drums, like these were the first songs I learned how to play. So mm -hmm. Stephen Morris was at the time a huge influence on my playing and uh, they've just always been there. They're just They've just always been my band. And as I said, coming up on 30 years now, which is really, really hard to believe. Yeah, that's crazy. But not so hard to believe at the same time. Shall we get into it? Sure, let's do that. The vinyl release of this record, uh, the songs are in a different order than they were on the tape we had. And then on the tape uh, that we had, it also didn't have all the songs that ended up being on the CD version. And then even this vinyl version has extra tracks on it that weren't on the CD version that uh, my brother and I eventually picked up. But right off the bat, it opens with Warsaw, which is the name of Joy Division before they changed their name. And uh, it's great. <laughs> It is great. These first songs, uh, Warsaw, Leaders of Men, No Love Lost, and Failures are sort of an older, punkier sound. And Ian Curtis is using a singing voice that he never, ever uses again. But uh, right off the bat, Warsaw is fantastic. Warsaw is great. That count in is almost like I've just put on a Clash record. Yeah, totally. Three, five, oh, one, two, five, go! And it's a very primitive sounding, uh, not great recording, but it works. Like, it sounds cool. Mm -hmm. There's songs that were recorded during the Unknown Pleasures 
sessions like Auto Suggestion, which is five or six minutes long. And it's one of my favorite Joy Division songs. It's so sparse. It really encompasses everything everyone says about Joy Division. Repetitive drums, the bass guitar is sort of the lead instrument, and Bernard's guitar is there just to sort of add texture and tension mm -hmm. and atmosphere. And I think, I know for a fact that the band didn't really sound like that live. I know that that's a creation of Martin Hannett, the producer, because famously Bernard and Peter didn't like the sounds of their recordings because Martin Hannett had a way of diminishing the power of everything. Mm -hmm. Things sounded very tiny and very spaced out and ice cold, but both of them have acknowledged throughout the years that that's probably part of what makes the record so timeless is that sound. Sure. Well, then you've got something more upbeat like digital. Love digital. It's great. It's classic. Great lyrics. The bass line is just so iconic. Iconic. Mm-hmm. Dead Souls, I think, is one of the darkest songs they ever did. It's so good. And I think it is my favorite Joy Division song, probably. Also good by Nine Inch Nails. I think my favorite Joy Division song is Atmosphere. I love that song. It's so sad. It's just sad. Very sad, yeah. But it's also beautiful. It's gorgeous. And it's just, there's just that, I don't know, the whole thing's too sad. Don't walk away in video that they put out for Atmosphere in 88 uh, by Anton Corbin is a fantastic video mm -hmm. of those uh, what are the little hooded men in Star Wars? Jawas. Yeah, so mm -hmm. these it's, it, there's those little men in the video that look like Jawas mm -hmm. and they, they're carrying the gigantic pictures of, of Joy Division and Indian Curtis right. on the beach. Uh, check that video out on YouTube. It is fantastic. She's Lost Control. The version on this record is, in my opinion, far superior to the version on Unknown Pleasures. They recorded it in March of 80. Actually, it's, I think it's one of the last recordings they ever made before uh, Ian killed himself. It's far more electronic than the original version and has a lot more power in the drums and there's synths that weren't in the original version. I think they even add a verse that wasn't in the original, but it's so good. And then just finishing outside one of this uh, vinyl version is Love Will Tear Us Apart. It's great. There's not really much you can say about that song that hasn't already been said, right? It's it's pretty perfect. Yeah, I've heard it 30 million times and I'm still not sick of it. Yeah, same. Failures bears a striking resemblance to uh, New Rose by The Damned. Here's a clip. Ah! 
got a new rose, I've got a good Yes, I knew that I always would I can't stop to mess around I got a brand new rose in town And here's a clip of failures Don't speak of both besides Failure of a bug man To the center of a lucky side As a whole not a no so rare the drum beat from Coma Kino is something that I constantly played in high school. Yeah. At band practice, whenever I was playing drums, I would start to play that tom beat from Coma Kino. Coma Kino sounds like a more upbeat Dead Souls to me. It does. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Same sort of feel. It's great. How can I find the right way to control the Joy Division are like, to me, they're the the post-punk Beatles. I think they're the most influential band of the 80s. Yeah. You can hear them all over the biggest, like, quote-unquote, alternative bands of the 80s. Like totally. The Cure. Oh, yeah. All of it. So it's just like Peter Hook's bass playing. I can just hear his bass playing, the influence of his bass playing throughout the 80s. I can hear Bernard Sumner's style playing guitar throughout the 80s. I can hear the drum sounds. The sound of the drums is mm-hmm. so influential for bands in the 80s. It, they're just, and they did it all first. And they didn't know what they were doing. Which is cool. No, that's the coolest thing is that they were just, they taught themselves how to play. Mm-hmm. And in three years, they went from being not able to play their instruments to, to making to this music. Joy Division. Yeah, it's insane. What do you think would have happened had Ian Curtis not died? Well, I think we've had this discussion before. I think they would have been bigger than New Order. I think they would have still went and, and been as and big. And been Joy Division? Absolutely. And do you think Bernard would, it have, would have ever started singing? Uh, no. Hmm. Yeah. Because... They did it because they had to. Yeah. He just did it by default. They all sang once Ian was gone. They all took their hand at singing lead. And mm-hmm. Peter Hook sang lead. He sings the first song on movement. But I think from what I've read, Bernard just did it because no one else wanted to. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, there's not. I can't say enough about this record and the effect it had on me and uh, just how it influenced my taste and everything I do musically. It kind of all comes back to this record in a way. Mm-hmm. I just watched Control again not that long ago. And that's also very sad. The whole, I don't know, I can definitely see why you, even as a little kid, who obviously I didn't know back then, but I can see how Joy Division is your favorite band because they're dark and sad and I don't know, not that not that, that sums you up, but there's definitely elements of them in you. <laughs> Chicken or the egg. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think the fact that you were drawn to them at 14 is telling. Yeah, probably a little bit, sure. You could have been listening to Belle Biv DeVoe instead. Yeah, I really should have probably been, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, there you have it. Joy Division Substance, uh, it's a big one. It is a big one. Because, like, I, you know, without bands like Joy Division, we obviously wouldn't have had New Order, but we wouldn't have had all those people that were in the crowd at those Joy Division shows, right? Like people like Morrissey and Johnny yep. Marr and countless other people. It's like seeing the Clash footage and Sex Pistols footage and seeing Shane McGowan, like a little Shane McGowan in the crowd. Mm-hmm. I want to I go back in time and watch a Joy Division show and see all the people that grew up to be music people, you know, mm, yeah. people in bands. Like our old pal here. Stephen Patrick Morrissey. Speaking of which, do you want to get into it? Yeah. Let's go.
Robin, I'm not even going to ask you what time it is. I'm not going to tell you what time it is then. Well, I already know. Kick it. <laughs> when you just want the fans. Stephen Patrick Morrissey, born 22nd May 1959, known mononymously as Morrissey, is an English singer, songwriter, and author. He came to prominence as the frontman of rock band The Smiths, who were active from 1982 to 1987. Since then, he has pursued a successful solo career. Morrissey's music is characterized by his baritone voice and distinctive lyrics with recurring themes of emotional isolation, sexual longing, self-deprecation, and black humor, and anti-establishment stances. It's a really great impression. Thank you. He formed the Smiths with Johnny Marr in 1982, and the band soon attracted national recognition for their eponymous debut album. As the band's frontman, Morrissey attracted attention for his trademark quiff. I would say quaff. Both sound a little too close to queef and witty and sardonic lyrics <laughs> want me to do that again I'll, I'll leave it in if you don't care as the band's frontman, morrissey attracted attention for his trademark quiff which i would call a quaff and witty and sardonic lyrics and what's the record we're doing today we are doing Bona Drag. It is the first record that I heard. So this is why I've chosen to do Bona Drag. Bona Drag is a compilation album by Morrissey released on the 15th of October, 1990. The album features an array of Morrissey's most popular songs from his early solo career, much of which had not been released on any previous album. The album name meaning Nice Outfits is an example of the subculture slang Polari, explored further on the album's first track, Piccadilly Polari. So this record is not... This is like a compilation? Um, yeah, this is a compilation record, which is kind of weird because before this, he only had Viva Hate. So mm-hmm. he had put out one record and then put out a compilation record. But, you know, back then they were just releasing singles that weren't on records. So, yeah, so this was a compilation of those. Yeah, it here. He decided to release a string of independent singles mm-hmm. after Viva Hate. Yeah. And so interesting thing about this is whenever, like for the longest time, this was my favorite Morrissey record. And if I would mention it to someone, to a guy in particular, he'd be like, you, this isn't a real record, you know, it's a compilation record. And that was maybe like my earliest memories of like having men tell me that I can't like something that I like, which is a, a bit strange when, when guys do that. But I would always just say, all right, that's yeah. cool. Still oh, my I favorite. I don't care. Like, I know that Substance, it's not a proper record, but it's still, I, I would say it's my favorite Joy Division record because totally. it, has, it has their best songs. And who cares? Like, yeah. if you're that much of an asshole that you're going to tell someone what their favorite record can and can't be, mm-hmm. then I'm sure I've you. done that many times, though. What? Told someone they couldn't <laughs> they, like. What they like, yeah. I still do it. <laughs> I probably shouldn't. Well, this, yeah, I have memories of this album too. The same fall that I got into Joy Division, my brother Mark had this on a CD mm-hmm. and was into it as well. I was in grade 10. I was in a friend of a friend's car. She was driving and she just had a mixtape on and Interesting Drug came on and blew my mind. I still love it. I also that year changed high school. So in grade nine, I went to high school on the mountain and grade 10 started the first day down the mountain, which might as well have been a different country mm-hmm. at the time, you know, and I, I met a new group of friends and I had a boyfriend that year, my first kind of real boyfriend. And they were all into Morrissey and it just I had kind of found my friends. I was also obsessively taping videos off Much Music back in those days and, you know, catching the Morrissey spotlight was just, it was gold. I watched that thing over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Also, (laughs) kind of funny that Joy Division and New Order didn't want themselves seen and their names on their records and Morrissey insists on being like the only thing on the cover of his (laughs) his records. There he is. 
front and back. There he is, that handsome devil. So right off the bat, Piccadilly Polare. Yeah, so for the purpose of this podcast episode, we're going to pretend that this isn't the 2010 reissue because mm-hmm. they changed Piccadilly Polare. They threw in an extra verse and it just enrages me every time I hear it. <laughs> they, it they should have just left it. Andy Rourke from The Smiths plays on this song. Do you know that? I did know that. Yeah. I think it's the only one. Uh, the second song we've already mentioned, Interesting Drug. I like this one. It's jaunty. It's jumpy. It is jaunty. La, 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 la. cool it's Mm -hmm. got great lyrics speaking of lyrics uh i know in the 80s morrissey was such a hero to young men and women because of his lyrics and his style of writing but for me with his solo stuff and smith's two-thirds of the time i can't understand a word he's saying really yeah Hmm. i don't know i just i I have a hard time deciphering his words yeah to me it's just a lot of It is um, like that, but I can understand the lyrics. Also, with Interesting Drug, it's like a lot of la-la-la-la-la-las, which I am a sucker for. Mm -hmm. A huge sucker for that. Were the lyrics printed with the albums? I can't remember. Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't remember. Reaction Brats Pod. Uh, Song number three is November Spawned a Monster. What do you think about this track? It's not a great song. The video is even worse. I was just going to say, ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube right now and look up the video for November Spawned a Monster. I don't know if there's more than one version, but I'm speaking of the version with Morrissey vamping in the desert. Yeah. It is He's something. got his Band-Aid on underneath his sheer black shirt. Yeah, it's something mm-hmm. else. It's not great. The song's not my favorite. It's a little too dramatic. Like, mm-hmm. it's a little too Morrissey for me. Yeah. You know, like, he definitely can get in his own way. Yeah. And I... I think he does that in this song. So uh, the next song is We'll Never Marry, and it's uh, it really tugs the heartstrings. <laughs> I love it. It's got that nice orchestral Yeah, that part's part, beautiful. You know, it's mm-hmm. nice. It's, um, it's a good song. What about mm, such a little thing, such a little thing? Sorry, go ahead. Just so you know, ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be a lot of my Morrissey uh, impression throughout this episode. So get ready. Such a little thing is, I love it, but you need to get through the first two minutes of the Mm -hmm. song. The first two minutes are fine, but at the end of the song, like the last 30 seconds when he's singing, Leave Me Alone, I Was Only Singing, it's the only reason to listen to the song. And then that part needs to be loud and you need to sing along. And I love it. Then we've got the last of the famous international playboys. Classic. 
You feel that's classic? Yeah, this is a classic one. This is when I would go to the Trashateria on Thursday nights, or I'd be at Fever on a Saturday night. If they played The Last of the Famous International Playboys, my night was made. It's yeah. just such a fun song to dance to. Then we've got Mike Bell's favorite Morrissey song. Ouija bird, Ouija bird. Really? That's Mike Bell's favorite Morrissey song? No, just he always, he would always, remember he was, oh. he was singing it to you? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't remember that. I do. Where was that? In the car ride home from Chicago? I can't remember. Morrissey came up and he just said. He sang Ouija bird. Ouija bird, Ouija bird. Ouija bird, Ouija bird, Ouija bird. Would you help me? Because I still do feel so horribly lonely. Um, how do you feel about Ouija board, Ouija board? Yeah, Ouija board, Ouija board's fine. It's a little on the dramatic side, but that's why we all love Marcy. Next up is Hairdresser on Fire, which I really like. However, that little keyboard um, run, that do, 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 always makes me think of, you'll be a dentist from, uh, <laughs> from Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. Here's a clip. You'll be a dentist. You have a talent for causing pain. Hey! <laughs> it totally sounds like yeah. that. Great song, though. Big mm -hmm. fan. Um, and then Every Day is Like Sunday. And I know that, again, this song has just been played to death, but what a great song. Oh, it's amazing. It's so great. It's great. And the video also, I love. Yes. Like, that was one of the videos that just hooked me in, yeah. you know? I wanted a shirt that said, I don't eat my friends. Like, that yeah. was when I was going to be a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. I was going to be the little, you know, sad girl at the beach by yeah. herself. Like, that was me. So, you, know? you were were you just walking around East Hamilton all sad? <laughs> like, you yeah. were in your own every day is like walking Sunday video? Walking the center mall with my headphones on. Just so sad. Yes, I am blind. You know, a lot of this record, I think I say, it's fine. It's a fine song. It's okay. It's a little too thick. It's a little too dramatic. It's a little too morose, you know? Yeah, but doesn't Yes, I Am Blind have the little lamb line in it? Yeah, so that I sing to my kids all the time. Okay, well, I will fold the like the cat's ears down to look like a lamb, and then I say, little lamb on a hill, run fast if you can, and the kids just crack up yeah, every time. She does it. I've seen it. <laughs> little lamb. Lucky Lisp. Yes. Holy shit. 
Lucky Lisp is a song. It's a tune if I've ever heard one. What do you like about it? I love everything about it. Everything about it. I love singing it. I love it in the car. I love it in the house. I love it everywhere. I love, you know, when he says the balcony fool was me, you fool. It's just my heart. I just love it. It just, I don't know. The song makes me so happy. Why don't you sing a bit of it for us now? Why do you keep making me sing? <laughs> give, me the, give me a bit of the chorus. No. Come on. I didn't make you sing Joy Division no one songs. Need, no one needs to make me sing. I'll sing. That brings us to Suede Head, and I do believe on the CD version we had, this song was much earlier in the track listing, wasn't it? I don't remember it being yeah, earlier. Maybe I just imagined that. Anyway, great song. It is a great song. And then Disappointed. Disappointed is one of the best tracks on yeah, this record. it's really great. I love it. It's that, that perfect self-deprecating Morrissey, mm-hmm. you know, without being so thick and dramatic about it. It's yeah. so good. We could have used a little bit more of that from him. Yeah, I think so. See these lines, truly That's it for the original version of the album, right? Yep. It ended at disappointment or it ended at disappointed. But this record, like I said, I'm emotionally connected to this record because it was the first one. So when I heard this, he had already put out Viva Hate and then this and then Kill Uncle. And then I heard Morrissey for the first time. So I had those three records plus all of the Smith stuff to just dig into. And boy, did I ever dig in, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm also, I'm emotionally connected to Viva Hate. I love that record too. When my dad died in 2000, I came home from his funeral and I was living at Bloor and Bathurst at the time. And I put Viva Hate on and laid on the floor in my bedroom and listened to it on repeat, I think as any precocious, 23-year-old whose dad just died would do, you know? (laughs) I don't know. So that that record holds a special place, and this one definitely holds a special place because I was obsessed. For years and years, I was obsessed with this record. I saw him in 97 at Massey Hall, uh, which was a great show. That was the first time I had seen him. I was supposed to see him, I think, at Maple Leaf Gardens, maybe, a couple of years before that with that grade 10 boyfriend and then I broke up with him and I didn't get to go. Smooth move. (laughs) No, we were also supposed to see The Cure. He also bought tickets for us to go to and I didn't go to either. Smoother move. I know. I just, I suck sometimes, you know, but actually that show at Massey Hall, I went with my friend Andy Inglis. Do you know Andy? I do. 
A few months before that show, we went to see Spiritualized together at the Opera House and the Dandy Warhols opened. And during the Dandy Warhols set, I felt sick and I was on my way out and I ended up having a seizure, which I do sometimes. Mm -hmm. I have a seizure disorder. So I had one at the Opera House and they kicked me out of there. Why? I don't really know. I'm assuming because it's a Spiritualized show, there's probably a lot of drugs. They just assumed you were. And they just assumed that I was on drugs, which I was not. Good work. Everybody. Yeah, nice job, Opera yeah. House Security, 1997. Yeah. But Andy, because I was with Andy and the friends that we had gone with drove and they were nowhere to be found in the Opera House. Andy sat outside with me and missed the whole spiritualized show. So I was grateful that I had a friend there to kind of take care of me while we had to wait to get a ride back to Hamilton. Yeah. But I also felt terrible that he missed Spiritualized, which were one of his, I think, favorite bands at the time. So I bought us both Morrissey tickets. Oh, so you took uh, and, him to Yeah, Morrissey. so I took him to yeah. go see Morrissey. So that I could thank him for and hopefully somewhat make up for the fact that he missed that spiritualized show. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Andy. And then I didn't see him for years because he refused to play in Canada. So I give in to temper tantrums from no no one. I wasn't about to travel outside of Canada to see him because... Screw him. I don't know. He's not going to come here. I'm not going to run all over to find him. But in May of 2019, he played at the Sony Center. Mm -hmm. And then I went there and cried my way through that show. It was so good. I was so nervous and my expectations were very low, which I think helped. But it was incredible. So then I went again in the fall of 2019 to see him in Detroit. And that was really cool. That was like, it was like, I think on a university campus, it was outside, but it was tiny. It looked like a little like summer camp stage and Interpol opened. That was awesome. I wanted you to come. I know I had to work. Yeah. I believe you left during the day and I couldn't take the day off work. Uh, yeah, I would have liked to have gone to that. I would like to see Interpol again for sure. Mm-hmm. Did he still take his shirt off at the show? He did take and his shirt off at the end. How was it? Well, lucky for me, I'm far enough away that it looks great. You know, looks fine. I Again, I'm just, I kind of roll my eyes every time. Like, are we still doing this for real? And then there's fights like at the Hummingbird Center or whatever, the Sony Center show. There was a fight. Like he Over takes Because he takes off his shirt and he throws it into the crowd like we're in 1992 and a bunch of middle-aged people fought over a bunch of 40 year old white dudes are (laughs) fighting over the shirt the ambulance came like a stretcher came and had to like what yes it was the end we were all clearing out and you watched the stretcher walk down the aisle like you (laughs) idiots Yeah, they're both great shows. And if things go as planned, we're seeing him in September. Yeah. Well, we were supposed to see him last year. I don't know if we mentioned that on our COVID podcast. I don't think we did. But uh, we also had tickets to see Morrissey in in Vegas. And it was canceled, obviously. So it's been rescheduled for September of 2021. We'll see if the world's back to a place where... we can pull that off. I mm-hmm. have my doubts, but let's try to be positive. Yeah, I have my doubts too. I think maybe we could get there. I think maybe the show will happen, but if we have to quarantine when mm-hmm. we get home, then I don't know that we can make that work. Yeah, I don't know if we can either, but we will do our best. Yep, positive thinking. I think that brings us to the end of another episode of Reaction Brats. I think so too. There's still time to be lazy on the couch if you want to do that with me. Actually, I, I got to get going. But I'm going to get ice cream. Oh, I'm in. Yeah. I can cancel my plans. Mm-hmm. I always know the way to your heart. Once again, folks, if you like the podcast and you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, subscribe. Leave a nice review. Uh, we always like to hear from people who are enjoying the show. Mm-hmm. And until next time, I'm David. I'm Robin. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.